Thanks for listening to the Voice Church Podcast. We are a new life-giving multi-ethnic church located in Orange County, California. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Tustin. For more information, check out our social media or our website at www.voice.church. And now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey guys, uh, my name is Natalie, so I know there's lots of new families and faces here that I have never met, and so I just want to say hi. I'm so glad you're here. I'd love to meet you after service. I work here. I'm one of the people who <laughs> I work here, yeah, um, uh, for better or for worse, it's me. So, um, but I would love to meet you, and we'd love to just get to know you guys a little bit. We're so glad you came today. Um, but yeah, I'll share with you my my own little, if I could have any special thing that I can't do right now, I think I would fly because Orange County traffic, you know, so I think enough said, you guys know how I feel, how that is, if you've been on the five, at five, you know, (laughs) I would just fly, fly everywhere, get, yeah, that would be the best, Uh, yeah, so welcome, like I said, um, we are in the middle of a series called I Have Spoken, and we're just talking about some of the most important messages that Jesus himself said they're like the the coming down from heaven and like I have spoken this is the way it's going to be I need you guys to hear me out and this is who we're going to be as a group this is who we are called to be and so uh, one of the ideas I'm going to jump into one of the really important uh, tenets of our faith which is uh, something that Jesus talked about and he talked about being born again And so if you are a Christian in this room, you have probably heard this. It's not a new concept to you. But if you are not a Christian or you have never heard that term, you're probably scratching your head and going, what are you talking about being born again? What does that even mean? Sounds a little bit crazy. And it sounded a little bit crazy to the first people that Jesus said it to as well. And so we're actually going to talk about the story of one of the people who had a lot of questions about that uh, phrase, uh, what does it mean to be born again? And his name was Nicodemus. And so we're going to jump into um, John chapter 3. And this is his story. We're going to learn all about one of the first times that Jesus ever talks about what it means to be born again. And so we're going to just jump right in. So if you want to start at verse 1, I think it should be up on the screen. But you guys, there's also Bibles in the seatbacks, and those are free. You can take them. They're there for you. So if you want it, just just grab that and bring that home, especially if you don't have one. Um, But we'll jump in. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after one dark evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven of God without being born of water And the spirit, because humans can reproduce only human life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. And so Jesus is trying to explain here to Nicodemus 
that in order to enter God's kingdom, it takes more than just believing that God is real. Actually, scripture says that um, even the demons believe that God is real, right? And they shudder, but that doesn't mean that they are born of him, right? It doesn't mean that they are going to heaven just because they believe, right? And so as a Jewish leader, he's very confused by this because he's going, I teach people about God, right? I teach people about this. What are you talking about having to be born again? And so Jesus in this moment is making a really bold statement that not only is God real, but that he is God's son himself. And that's like a lot to take in, right? For someone, Nicodemus is saying, yeah, I get it. I get you were sent by God, but Jesus is saying, not only am I sent by God, I am the son of God come to bring God's promises to this earth. And so this was a really, really bold statement that he's making to him because he's saying to Nicodemus, I need you to take a leap of faith to follow me, not just believe in me, right? I need you to take a step to follow me. And he's saying, be publicly baptized. He said, you need to be born of water. He said, be publicly baptized, announcing that he would be coming something completely new. Now, this is a lot to ask of someone, right? He's literally, his job is to teach people about God. And Jesus is saying, you need to be baptized in front of everyone, publicly proclaim that you are now following a new way. You are following me instead of what you've been doing. And so I think inherently, I think Nicodemus knew when he heard Jesus speaking that something was different and that it was probably gonna cost him a lot uh, if, he showed, like, if he showed that he was associating with Jesus. Because the Jewish leaders were not very pleased with Jesus. They, he was kind of upending a lot of things for them. And so he came to Jesus in the dark. If you, if you like, notice that, he came to Jesus in secret, in the dark, where no one could see him, right? To see if he could find this stuff out. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not gonna get to stay in the dark anymore. You gotta come out into the light. You gotta follow me in front of everybody else. Like renouncing his own leadership. Now, that's a lot to ask someone. But Jesus is then saying, but in turn, he would be filled with God's spirit, God's power that would fill him in every way. And this is a mystery that humans cannot explain. And so when we are born again, we have this revelation moment when we commit our life to Jesus, we commit to follow him, we're born in him, but then begins this lifelong process of publicly turning our lives around towards him. It's a whole new way of life, becoming a new creation in the spirit. And so he kind of goes on to explain it a little bit more, but he's a little sassy about it. So hold on to that, I'm gonna take a drink. Okay, he says, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and what we've seen and you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the son of man or For those of us who aren't sure what that means, God's son, myself, is what he's saying, came down from heaven. And so 
like I said, I think Jesus knew that this was going to be a lot for Nicodemus to swallow, and he's like, I want you to go on a little mission and try to understand what I'm saying to you. Um, I know that if you look hard enough for me, you're going to find me. And I love what I love about God is that he speaks to us in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that he speaks to us is in nature. He created it. And so he reveals a lot of mysteries to us, but the way that we can see things actually playing out in real time. And so God Jesus is saying to here to him, he's like, go check out some of the earthly things. Go check out some of the earthly processes and see if you can understand what it means to be born of the spirit. Because I love that if you really go looking for Jesus, he promises, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And so he's challenging him to go on this adventure of really seeking to find out what Jesus means. And so whenever I think about how God speaks to us through nature, I think about um, being born again and any promises that he has or any processes that he has in nature um, about being born again, I automatically think of like the life cycle of a butterfly. I know, just hang with me guys, okay? There's meat to this, okay? If if it's hard for you to think about a butterfly, you know, just think about a, a beetle or something, I don't know, the metamorphosis of a beetle, right? Um, but there is so much power in, this, in the actual process of how a butterfly is born again, right? It's completely changed into an entirely new creation, and this is how God works. And so if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to attempt to explain a mystery about how we are born again in Christ through the life cycle of a butterfly. You guys ready? Do you guys like science? I'm such a science nerd. I was reading all about this, and I was like, this is so cool. I love the pictures. And I'm like, anyways, I didn't, I didn't bring any pictures for you, but, you know, we're going to have fun anyways. So, obviously, the first phase of a caterpillar's life is the day they hatch, they're starting their new life, right? That's kind of like us. The day we start to follow Jesus, we are, we're born, right? We're born into a new life in Christ. And so once the caterpillar is out, it has one job and one job only, and that is to devour everything, like everything around it. Just eat, eat, eat all day, all night. Just get fat and sassy and, yeah, he's just, just eat. That's his whole goal. Um, And that's kind of how it is for us too. The moment we give our life to God, we are learning how to be a new creation. We have to immerse ourselves and reading the Bible and seeking God, learning how to pray, having people pray for us, having people teach us about the Bible, like all kinds of, we're supposed to just devour God's word, right? It's, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And so we're supposed to devour everything we can to get more of him. And I love, this was one thing that I thought was so cool about the way that they actually eat. It's that uh, the website I was researching said that they will only eat the host plant and they won't actually move to any adjacent plant of any different species, even if it runs out of food. And I thought that was so interesting. They just stay on the one plant. And to me, that spoke to me about how when we're growing and we're learning Part of the way we do that is to grow within a committed community. We're an ecosystem here. No one grows alone. Nobody actually can become a follower of Christ without other people in their life. You stay in one spot and you just glean everything that you can from the people around you, people who want to pour into you 
and love you. And you're supposed to be part of that ecosystem too. You all work together in that ecosystem, pouring into one another as a beneficial ecosystem. And so as, they, as they're eating, they're getting, they're getting chunky, their bodies are expanding, they grow like massively bigger than when they started. Their skin kind of becomes like tight and it eventually like splits and then it kind of sheds off, kind of like molting like a snake, you know, it kind of just like falls off. But when you're becoming a new creation, you should be devouring so much that you're stretching and growing and it's really uncomfortable and things feel like they're like splitting, right? And shedding off of you. Old things are shedding off of you. But because in the body of Christ, when we start learning and growing, we start getting confronted with things that are maybe different than the way we used to be living or the way we used to do things. And we can get really uncomfortable in that moment, right? And we have a, we have a choice to make, right? We can either jump ship because it's too uncomfortable or we can commit to the process, right? And I've seen too many people just give up too quickly um, like, or not even start because they know that it's gonna get really uncomfortable. It's gonna cause them to have to do things that they don't wanna do. <laughs> it's gonna have to cause you to make choices. They're gonna not be choices you would naturally make, right? But you cannot transform into a new creation without community. You cannot transform without being part of a body of Christ and learning to other people. Some of the things I've seen people exit out of community for is somebody offends them, right? Somebody says something rude to them. And that, you know, honestly, I think that the ways that we grow are not always the ways we think we should grow. But I think sometimes the very offense that made you upset was put there to teach you how to reconcile with people, to teach you how to communicate with people, to teach you how to love people who are difficult, right? And they lose out on that lesson. They lose out on transformation because they, they're like, nah, that's too much for me. I, I'm done with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip out on this. Then the second one I see people like dipping out is because they got to start sharing their life. They got to start sharing their resources. And people are like, I don't know. That's too much time. I don't know. I, I really like my Starbucks. I don't think I want to buy a blanket for that person in need. I just really like, I want a new shirt this week. You know, and some people are just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get uncomfortable. I just want to stay how things are. I want to be, I want to be comfy. We like to be comfy, don't we? We like, we have our Snuggies that we wear around the house, our big old fluffy slippers, because we want to be comfortable, right? It's going to be uncomfortable to be a part of the body of Christ. We got, we have to look out for each other, right? And honestly, this world will tell us all the time, protect your peace, Right? How many of you guys heard that? Protect your peace. Okay, I'm not, I'm not against peace. I'm for peace. But the thing is that I don't think that this is actually what Jesus wants us to do. Because when people say protect your peace, they mean just walk away from anything that gets uncomfortable. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to lay down your life for other people. I want you to learn to make peace with other people. Not just protect your peace, make peace with other people. And you have to do that with other people. And so this is not the way that we do life with Jesus, right? Jesus continually encouraged us to um, make peace with others and to especially get to know and love people who are different and difficult. Like not just different, difficult. 
make peace if it is within your power. As long as it depends on you, is what he says. And in our individualistic culture, it's really easy to just ditch something the moment it doesn't serve us, right? You've heard this phrase too. That doesn't serve me anymore. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus flipped that one on its head too. And I know this is uncomfortable for some of us because we've probably said that, right? But Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And he's calling us to do the same. I came to serve. And if you want to be transformed, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to serve people. And you have to do things that don't serve you. It's kind of uncomfortable. Sorry. So, <laughs> but I think that um, one of the things that is so beautiful about that is that Jesus pushes us to radically be unselfish and loving to other people. And we all want to feel that, right? We want to be radically, unselfishly loved and served. We want to receive that, but it's hard to give it. And Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to give it and receive it. Give it and receive it. So if we want to be like Jesus, we have to act how Jesus acted. And Jesus came to be a part of and sacrifice for a community of massively flawed people who actually put him up on that cross. When they were the farthest away from him was the moment that he said, I'm still giving my life for you. That's how much I love you. It was radical. It was crazy. And that's how we're called to live. So you can't be fully formed into a new creation outside of Christian community. You are an important part of the ecosystem, and the ecosystem is an important part of you and your transformation. So the next phase is they go into a chrysalis, and this is like kind of, I think it kind of like rhymes with what we go through, which is like the crisis, the chrysalis, the crisis. So next time you're going through a hard time, just be like, I'm just in the chrysalis, okay? Uh, so the chrysalis is when the caterpillar's insides, they actually like destroy the caterpillar's body. This is crazy. Like, it actually, there's, like, a digestive juice that, like, seeps out of them and, like, dissolves the whole body. Like, they become, like, a soupy mush inside of the chrysalis. Did you guys know this? I didn't know this. I just learned this. And so, in this phase of our faith, this is how it relates to our faith. You will go through a time of transformation when it feels like God is melting off so much of your life, things feel like you are melting. You feel sometimes like you are dying. It puts a new um, light on that verse that says, take up your cross and follow me, right? Die to yourself. So when we're in the chrysalis is when we're learning to die to ourself. But the thing is, he doesn't just bring us pain for pain's sake, okay? He's not a masochist. <laughs> he loves us. He wants things to die in our life that are going to sabotage our life, if you want to fly, you got to be lighter than air. So you have to strip off the things that are going to weigh you down in life. You have to strip off those things that are making you less like Jesus. And so that's what he's doing. He's melting down all of the extra fat and junk and saying, no, that is not for you. you your mission is coming up and it's to fly and you can't take that with you. And so... Sometimes he's going to ask us to give up if we want to go up. We have to give some things up to go up. So we might be asked by him to let go of our pride or our ego or our selfishness. We might be asked to spend a little less money at the mall so we can give someone a need, something they need. 
You might be asked to rearrange your schedule so you can make room to grow or to spend time with other people or to spend time with God. It's not going to be pain-free. And I know I'm not preaching a message that is like super like, yeah, Jesus, this is painful. But it's so good though because he has good in mind for you. It will, but it will cost you. But here's the thing, life's not pain-free anyways. It's not like you're not gonna experience pain in life. You're gonna experience, you just get to pick your pain, okay? Pick your pain. You can choose to have your old life, which there was some issues, right? Probably had some difficulties in relationships. Probably had things like maybe addictions or things that were holding you back, keeping you from living a successful life in general. So you can either go back to that or you can choose the pain of growing, getting better, right? Pick your pain. So life's not gonna be pain-free, pick it, what you want. So this is exactly where Nicodemus was in this moment, right? He was gonna have to pick his pain. Do I wanna have to give away literally my clout, my status, my job, so I can follow Jesus? Because that's how he was. He came in in the darkness, in secret. When he was going to have to be, Jesus was asking him, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to come out into the light and tell everyone out in public that you're ready to follow me. It's going to cost him. But he chose to take the risk, trusting that Jesus would make up the difference. And we're talking about him today, so I think it worked out, right? (laughs) He wrote several, like, works that are still passed around to this day. He was a legend in the end of his life. And so I think it was worth it. I think Jesus made up the difference, right? But here's the thing. God isn't asking you necessarily to throw everything of your whole life away. He wants to redeem you. He wants to, um, you know, while the majority of the caterpillar's body is disintegrated, there are a few remaining pieces that stay and help grow the new parts. And so in the same way, Jesus isn't like, I don't want you to throw everything of yourself away. You, I created you, I made you a specific way. I just wanna take off the things. We need to burn away the stuff that aren't who you are, right? So while you're becoming new, your old life does play a role in forming your new one. And the essence of who you are, the experiences that you've had, the family that you have, your friends, they don't disappear and they don't cease to matter. They're a part of you. They're a part of your story. And it actually just like, I would even like to just say that I think they're a part of your next mission. They're a part of your calling. They are who you are. They were meant to make you into something new, something more purposeful. And so while you're becoming new, your old life definitely plays that role in forming your new one. Everything about your life up to this point is working together for the purpose of creating you into something unique and powerful. And that is, that is exciting. That's encouraging because we might look at our past and think, yeah, nothing, God can't do anything with that. I don't know about that. I I went through some really hard things. I went through things I'm ashamed to say that I went through or that I did. God's like, no, I don't want you to do that anymore. I don't want that to necessarily be you going forward. But guess what? Because you went through that, you're gonna help somebody else through that. That's a part of your story. That's a part of your mission. Those things, they never disappear. 
And so although God does the melting part, we have to do the work to replace the old ways and rebuild our hearts with God's desire for us while we're in that chrysalis. And so our job in there is to, is to build spiritual endurance. And so we have to learn how to endure those trials. We have to en- learn how to endure the pain, those hard things that may come, the confusing moments, because and, and knowing that they aren't meant to break you, but they're meant to build you. So if you look at James 1, 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, because he gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And that is great news. You can ask God any time for wisdom and he will give it to you. You're not being broken just to be broken. You are being broken for the purpose of being rebuilt. It's good news. And so it seems like, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like the closer you get to being fully transformed or more transformed, the more you're going to have to fight for that faith because the enemy does not want you to get there. He wants to keep you a soupy mush, right? He wants you to be halfway formed or not formed at all. And so you're going to have all kinds of things coming at you. You might be questioned from your friends like, hey, you seem really different. What's up with you? Why are you like that? Why are you doing that? Why aren't you coming out with us anymore? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that, right? You're probably going to be pressed to answer questions that you don't have the answers to. People are like, what is the meaning of life then if you know everything? I don't know anything, actually, you know? And so it's okay. You're going to be faced with questions, and you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing to connect with God, right? You just have to be willing to endure those moments. You're going to be tested in ways you probably never saw coming. And one of those ways you'll be tested is from your own mind. Your own mind is going to play tricks on you. And so you have to, you're going to be hearing things like, what if God who isn't, isn't who he says he is? What if he's not who he says he is? What if all this God stuff was just my imagination? What if I just like felt tingly that day and it wasn't really real? You know, have you ever felt that before? What if God doesn't answer my prayers? What if I fail or I look dumb? What if God doesn't come through for me? What if God doesn't heal this? What if God does, what if I'm in pain forever? <laughs> what if this lasts forever? And some of us, I think we are, have been in that place recently or now, and we're going, I, I'm, I don't know if I can move past here. Some of us have been stuck in that place where we've, been, we've had the questions, we've had the mind games, and we're too afraid to move forward. Maybe you even believe Jesus was, is real, but you haven't taken that final step to go, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to put my trust in you. You haven't put that weight on your, uh, really on him yet. You've still been trying to control your own life. And God's like, I have you. I have good things for you, but you have to hand it over to me fully. You have to hand it over to me. Let go. Pry the fingers off. Let me in. I have something really good for you. Some people, I think we've simply just given into the mind games. We just decided to stay there and be like, I don't know, maybe God's not real. And we've just, we can put on the act and we can come to church on Sunday, but in our hearts, we've quit. We stopped believing. 
And I think that Jesus, wherever you are in your transformation process is saying, try one more time. Try one more time. Put your faith in me. I will not let you down. So we have to persevere and not quit. So one of the things in, in perseverance is that anytime you're going into a big race, I'm getting ready to do a half, the half marathon, right? If you want to get it, if you want to do a half marathon, you have to put in the reps. You got to run multiple times every week, adding a little more, adding a little more, adding a little more. In our faith, we cannot give up and quit when things get hard. And it feels like we have to keep adding more. Like, I just went through this. You have to do it again. I have to do it again. We shouldn't be surprised. Because if you want to get to the end result, if you want to do the thing, if you want to be transformed, you got to keep putting in the reps. It's not done. It's not one and done. You got to keep going. You got to persevere. And Hebrews 10.35 says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will be able to continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. And then Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. He will never leave you high and dry. He will never leave you high and dry. You can trust him. And I love this in Matthew 19, 29. Jesus promises that whatever we give up for him or hand over to him for his sake, he promises we will receive 100 times as much in return and we will inherit eternal life, which is worth more than anything. So even if you've given everything over and you you are gonna walk away with more in your life, than you could ever imagine if you don't quit. So persevere so that you can be complete. And the last phase is the butterfly phase, right? And so this is where Jesus is. Uh, in verse 20, he continues to explain this part uh, to Nicodemus. And we've been talking about this the whole time, but he's here. He's at, the, he's at the point where he gets to make the decision. And it says, all who hate or all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for, their, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. So come into the light. We've got to put our our faith and our good works on display. Once the butterfly has emerged from the shell, they they are on a very tight schedule. They have like two weeks to eight months, like depending on how quick they get hit by a car or whatever, right? Um, I just, sorry, I just went a little dark there. Um, and so they have a short time span to get stuff done and they are on a mission, right? First, <laughs> sorry, I ruined that moment, didn't I? Um, first up is they have this connection with other butterflies and they all have to travel like hundreds of miles. Monarch butterflies will travel hundreds of miles to a, a spot they've never been to but somehow they know where they're supposed to be, right? They're going on their mission together. And that's what we're doing, right? We're going on mission together with other people. We're getting to that same spot. And on the way, all along the way, they are pollinating things. They're eating, but they're also pollinating things. They're making the world beautiful. They are spreading beauty around everywhere they go. They're full of doing good works, right? And then finally, they get to their final location, and then they multiply, right? They procreate, and then they die. 
That's terrible. But they research their destination and then they multiply. And as believers, this is us. When we know, when we've been through the trial, we've been through the fire, we've been through the things, and we come out transformed, a new creation, we know that we are on a mission. We do not get to just sit there and look pretty. That's not the purpose of a butterfly, although that happens. The purpose of the butterfly is to pollinate the earth and procreate with others. Do you know it's called a kaleidoscope? A group of butterflies traveling together It's called a kaleidoscope. It's pretty cool. Just think on that. Okay. But anyways, that's like our journey. We are being transformed to be stronger, better, wiser, more like Jesus, each stage bringing out new character if we don't quit. So what does a transformed person look like? A little bit more like Jesus, little by little, every day. And so I don't want to overwhelm you guys and go, well, you've got to be perfect now that you've been born again. You're perfect tomorrow. No, that's not real. <laughs> that's not how this works. It's a process. We are being transformed every day, our whole lives, to be more and more like him. So, yes, you are going to experience this process over and over again. Um, but you're going to look a little bit more like Jesus every time. A little bit more like Jesus every time. So be patient with yourself. But what will it look like? You're going to start to understand where you're going. You're going to have an idea of what you're supposed to be doing because you now have direct access to God's foresight and wisdom and his guidance. And you're not making decisions just for what feels good in the moment. You start making wise decisions about the future, right? <clears throat> you both, another thing is you both forgive and apologize a lot faster than you did before, right? Because you know what you've been forgiven from. You don't sweep things under the rug anymore. You want to solve it. You don't want to get sucked into drama anymore. You value that peace that you're making with others, right? Making with others. Yep. And then you also begin to think of others more often than you used to, right? You have a new filter in which you see that your actions affect more than just yourself. And so you start being more concerned by it for other people's well-being. You start caring a little bit more when someone has a need. You jump in without grumbling a little bit more right? You think about your words and your actions and how they affect other people. You also become a lot more patient, right? I hate, I hate growing in patience because it means that I've had to deal with a lot of really difficult people. <laughs> but you become more patient, right? But you're patient because you're aware of your own struggles, right? You're patient because you go, I needed a lot of grace, I needed a lot of patience, and God's changed me and been patient with me, and so therefore, I'm going to be patient with others. You become more purposeful. You're spreading hope, right? Because now you know that you represent someone else. You're not just representing yourself anymore. You represent Jesus, and so you begin to realize that everywhere you go, your presence matters. It matters. You hold something of valuable. You are valuable, and you hold something of value, and you know that it can change someone else's life. So you're aware of that everywhere you go, and it shows in the way that you respond. You begin to discover that you've been given God-given gifts, and you become more generous with sharing that with other people, not just for yourself, but for others. You also start to worry less, right? Because you know that he's got you. 
You begin to trust that he's got you in every circumstance. And you know that he's put special favor on your life and that his spirit is there with you, working for you at all times. But you can only learn that in the crucible. You can only learn that in the chrysalis when you've gone through the hard times and you made it out on the other side. You learn that God's there for you when you stick it out and you go, I'm just choosing to believe God's gonna be there for me, right? And then, but then when you come out on the other side, you're full of peace, right? You worry less. And lastly is that you multiply faith in others. You don't keep it to yourself. You're coming out into the light now and you're sharing that with everyone. And so, like I said, my goal for you is not that you're transformed immediately. That's not God's goal for you either, but little by little, day by day, let him transform you. And so I just wanna um, start just even by saying, we can pray something like Psalms 51, 10 to 12, and this is what it says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. So we're, we're actually going to get ready to go to, and take communion together um, as a body of Christ. And the reason we do communion is to remember what God did for us. We, we take the bread as a, as a thanks, and we say, thank you, God, for giving your life for me. And then when we dip the bread in the juice, and we say, thank you, God, for the pain that you endured for me, for the blood that you shed for me. And so as we do this together, <clears throat> I really want you to think about what this implication has for you. And what is it that God is asking you to do in your life right now? Is there anything that you need to say, God, I hand this over to you. Will you please melt off this thing that is keeping me weighed down from being who you've called me to be? Or maybe you're saying, I've actually never decided to follow Jesus, but I think I really want to follow Jesus. And so this is your moment to say, okay, God, would you begin a transformation in me? I want to be born again and transformed to a new creation. And so uh, my, my challenge for you is that when you come and you take communion, that you don't just like grab the bread and just eat it and go sit and sing a song, but you really ask God, what is it that you are making in me? Who are you calling me to be? What are you calling me to? I'm on board with you. So let me pray for you. Um, if our communion team can come forward um, as we sing, uh, after I'm done praying, please come forward and receive communion uh, if you're a believer or you want to become a believer today. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for the journey that you've brought us on. I thank you that you don't break us just to break us, but you, you want to build us into something beautiful. I thank you that you are a good God, who never leaves our side, who's with us in every circumstance, and who loves us more than we could ever imagine. So God, as we go into this time, we commit to you one more time. We commit to you, and we say, God, let just do what you want to do in us. We let you in to do what you need to do. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message at Voice Church. We hope it inspired you to live a life more faithfully for Jesus and to be a voice of hope for your community. We'd love for you to join us in person on a Sunday. And until then, we hope you have a beautiful week.